Greetings. Greetings, Earthlings. Welcome. Greetings. Welcome. We come in peace. We do not come this in peace. We come in spook. Two girls. One ghost. Oops. Oh, oh. And I knocked. I got excited. And I knocked over my microphone slightly. Uh, this is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That's Corinne. And I'm Hi. Sabrina. And this is an Encounters episode. I can't believe we're at Encounters 159. Like that. That's a lot of boy, encounters. Boy. It's hard to remember how many episodes we've done because we didn't always consistently do encounters when we normally do them. Right. So, well, I guess we could do math, but that's hard. Well, it's, <laughs> I guess we do number our episodes. We do number. So it's <laughs> 159 plus 200, basically. So 359 episodes. Oh, my gosh. Oh, Nelly. We need to figure out what our... 500th episode is and then do something spectacular for that i think that Just is wherever where it we willingly get possessed like it, it has to be no 666 is the one that we just that's what will that is what i think we will get there too because i can't imagine that we would ever stop doing this so never, never we'll get ever. there one day we will Mm-mm. we will and until then we're just going to continue reading your stories and should i start Yes, please do. Okay. Leia is on my lap, so there might be some shakings happening. She's Her tail's hitting all the cords. Okay. <laughs> so what do you want to do? Go on. Yeah. Go on. Yeah. You want to stay? Okay. This is from our listener, Erin, and it is called Night Terrors and Black Vines on the Ceiling. Okay. Good morning, Sabrina, Corinne, and Podcast Ghost. I am late to the game with podcasts. I just learned about them a few months ago, and I came across yours on Spotify. Just like many of the other fans, I am addicted to your podcast. I've binged it at work since the first episode and while I get ready in the morning. It is the best. You girls make me laugh, and I just love your stories. I'm sorry if this is long, but I feel the need to give you a backstory. As my husband sends eye rolls my way since I am known for giving backstories when telling stories. It's important. <laughs> Context. We want it. We I need hope it. You will we appreciate it. it. Listening to your podcast has made me remember things in my past that I pushed down and forgot about. Since I was a kid, I have always had night terrors. They started off as violent bad dreams as a kid, demonic, being assaulted, stabbed, zombies, and poltergeists, and morphed into hallucinations and vivid dreams that scare my family when they witness them. I should note that my sisters have this problem as well. I am the baby of the family, and my older sister has night terrors that result in verbal abuse, which to me is actually really funny. I first learned about this when I was staying at her house when I was in my 20s and I was putting her phone back in its cradle when she started screaming at me with a lot of F-bombs and other verbal abusive language. (laughs) All I could do was laugh, and when I told her about this, she thought it was the funniest thing she'd ever heard. My middle sister has hallucinations about bugs and scares her husband and daughter half to death with her screams and running around the room cowering because the scorpions are coming. Mm. When I was a kid, I was very aware of ghosts, but not in the sense that I could see them. But I knew they existed and was scared of them. I hated my closet and always felt that something was in there. I had to keep the doors closed at all times. I even blocked the front of it with toys just in case. One I night, understand that. Well, I'm pretty sure I did that too. I think I like tied my good move. closet doors together. One night, I woke up in the middle of the night and I was on the floor on my stomach and something was on my back and it was moving. It was not a person, but it was heavy enough to keep me pinned on the floor. I tried to scream, but could not. Finally, I closed my eyes really tight and this thing jumped off my back and ran down the hall. I was too chicken shit to open my eyes to see what it was. But after that night, my mom slept in my room. 
This is so fascinating because all three of them are experiencing some type of sleep nightmare, sleepwalking, sleep talking experience. Yeah. And I mean, clearly something was something was on her. Yes. Right? Like the thing got up and ran away, scurried off. It does remind me a little bit of, I know I've referenced it a few times, but my friend Nikita, who thought she was having a night terror and was dragged down the hallway only to wake up the next morning and see and, all the rug burns. Uh, down her legs and this is what these are this is giving the same vibes like there's something yeah lurking there's something here something is tormenting these poor poor women fast forward to being married and having kids when my son turned two he is now almost 16 we transitioned him into a toddler bed from a crib after a few nights of sleeping in his big boy bed he told us that he doesn't like when the men with long white hair come into his room and stand and stare at him oh Okay. Which reminded me of something my mother-in-law had told me a few years before about a man with white long hair that would stand outside of her window and watch her. She knew that this man was not alive or possibly even human, but that he was just a watcher. She would tell him that he was not welcome and he had to leave. Remembering her words of warning to this man, I told my son to do the same. And when I was alone in his room, I would say those words of warning just in case anyone or anything was listening. Then one night, my son told us that he looked out the window, which is on the second story, and he saw a pig with red eyes. Oh, that feels sort of satanic, doesn't it? Like a little Definitely. little demonic. Yeah. My husband and I thought it was a little weird, but we thought maybe when he was supposed to be sleeping, he somehow saw us watching the Amityville Horror. I tried to rationalize it, and then he began to sleep in our bed until we moved. After we had our daughter, who is now 11, we moved to Flagstaff, Arizona, and moved into a house outside of town on some land. And weird things happened in that house. But again, uh -oh. I rationalized it and ignored it until my son started screaming one morning saying that there was a dark creature in the corner of his ceiling that was looking at him. I ran into his room and saw nothing. I moved out of that room and yelled at whatever it was to get out in the name of Jesus Christ. My husband's company transferred us to another part of Arizona not too long after that incident. In the new house, my kids' rooms were set up on opposite sides of the house away from our room. My son constantly complained about hearing whispers in his room and said something was in his closet. Being a scared kid myself, I sympathized with my son and I started sleeping with him in his room at night. Nothing strange happened until one night my son had the wiggles and did not want to go to sleep. He is a chatty Kathy by nature and still even as a teenager is and I told him to be quiet and go to sleep. All of a sudden from beneath the bed we both heard a very loud shh. Ooh. We both looked at each other and ran out of the room and he never slept in there again. And then we got oh, transferred no. to Flagstaff a year later. No. When That's we got transferred horrible. back to Flagstaff, we moved into an older home, but never had any weird stuff happen there. It was a nice reprieve for about four years, and then we ended up buying a brand new home, never lived in, and could not wait to finally plant some roots here. At this time, my kids were 11 and 5, and my son stopped experiencing anything weird, but unfortunately, my daughter was the target of what was to come. When we first moved in, Every damn night, I heard the kids running around upstairs at around 11 p.m. or later. So I would run up there to scold them to go to bed. But when I got up there, they were fast asleep. 
I noticed that my daughter's light would be on. I turned it off and went back downstairs. I kept hearing what sounded like the kids running around, upstairs, and then running up and down the stairs. Of course, my husband, who can fall asleep in two minutes flat, was out like a light and didn't hear the noise until later on. In the morning, my daughter's light would be on again. I thought it was just weird, but chalked it up to me not remembering to turn it off. And a few months after moving in, we noticed that our daughter had really dark circles under her eyes and was more lethargic than she normally was. We asked if she was okay, and she would just say, I'm okay. She had been playing in our family room one night, which was upstairs, and it was bedtime, so I asked her to clean up her toys and get ready for bed. She stopped me to tell me that she didn't want to go in there because she's being watched. At dinner the next day, she told us that she needed to tell us something. We sat back and listened to her tell us that for months, since we moved in, there were two dark shadows that would run up the stairs and run into her room and stand and stare at her. Oh, God. She said, Well, this poor baby. I know. She's for months. all of her sleep. For months. And she's just trying to be brave. She's not trying to get everyone else flustered about it. She's like, I can handle this. I'm fine. She said they had dull red eyes. One had a hat and was tall, and the other was short with no hat. She said they spoke to her and told her that she needed to get out of here. I was shocked. I had never heard of shadow people, and I had to Google it. So I started to sleep in her room, and I witnessed them turning on her light. After that, we bought a cot, and she slept in our room until we blessed the house. My husband pulled me aside a few weeks later and said that he had seen both of the shadow people exactly the way my daughter had described them. He said he first started seeing them glide into our bedroom and into the bathroom through his peripheral. Then he would see them straight on, face to shadowy face in our bedroom. He even saw one on his commute and hit it with his car. They even started following oh. him to work. Since we blessed the house, what? they don't see them anymore. I know my son and I have never seen them, but something likes to move our dining room chairs at night. I hear them moving the chairs late at night, but since I started pushing the chairs in before bed, I have not heard them move since then. My daughter called me while I was at work during this past summer vacation and said that the chair moved right in front of her. I told her just to move away from the table and go to another part of the house. During all of this, my night terrors were getting worse. I would scream so loud I would lose my voice when I woke up. I get up and I run while sleeping. And one night I was having a night terror and my husband woke up this time and was scared. Usually he's pissed because he gets woken up in the worst possible way when I have these night terrors by me screaming my brains out and pointing at a part of the room saying, do you see it? But this particular night when I asked him if he saw it, he said, I see it too. He's never had a night terror before. He said he saw black vines crawling all over the ceiling. It was a little different than what I saw. What I saw was black vines dangling from the ceiling coming down towards me. It reminded me of an episode I had seen a year before of The Dead Files. The sketch artist had drawn black vines outside of the home that a medium had described to the artist and then showed the family that was being affected by the haunting. The medium had told the family that they needed to get rid of those vines immediately and absolutely do not let them into the house. My husband had never seen this show before because he doesn't like to watch them with me. So I thought it was odd that he would see my hallucination that I was having in my night terror. I learned from your podcast that I need to sage and do blessings regularly. So I thought one blessing was enough, but I was wrong. Have either of you ever heard of anything like this from your research? I appreciate any insight so I can maybe understand what happened. I'm working on catching up. Mm. If you've made it to the end of my email, thank you for hanging in there. Sincerely, Erin from Northern Arizona. Erin. Erin. This is reminding me. Okay, I think I might have covered this or at least I've just spoken about it a bunch. The original story for A Haunting in Connecticut is different than the movies that they have created for Haunting in Connecticut. This is reminding me so much of that family's story. Like, 
where the spirits go with you to work, where they're just constantly escalating, yeah. where suddenly everybody ends up sleeping in the same bedroom because everybody's terrified and having their own individual yet still same encounters with yeah. these. Yes. Yes. This feels very much like the same escalation pattern. And it makes me very worried for Erin and her family. I'm also, uh, here's my take on this, especially the black vines. It feels like that is, it's, uh, let's think of it as stranger things. It makes me think mm-hmm. that there's this portal of sorts to the other side, to, to a paranormal realm that exists in this home or because of Aaron and her family being just very open to the paranormal, that the paranormal world is like seeping into this house and the black mm-hmm. vines are the physical representation it's of It's reaching that. out. It's, it's, those are the anchors. Like I'm thinking of it kind of like taking over the house. It wants, it wants it for its own. Yeah. It's locked in. That's yeah. very, very creepy. The fact that they both saw it too. And I'm thinking like, you know, her, her quote unquote hallucination, her experience with these black vines is different than her husband's. And it's strange that her, for her husband, it's kind of like enveloping the room, right? It's like creating this sort of space and capsule. But to her, it's dangling. It's reaching, reaching down for to her. Like grab her and make i'm just picturing her as being like the main target and it's trying yeah. to maybe make her be part of their world a little amityville horror ask too really you know creepy. like what if she's the she's the parent that's uh, in a bad position erin you're in arizona which i know is a big state but sedona and there's other places in arizona that are very spiritually in tune and A lot Mm -hmm. of people who can offer cleansings and blessings, and it might be worth looking into something professional just to help, especially if like, I mean, it sounds like from Erin said that her daughter was five when the shadow people first started like staring at her, telling her she needs to leave. But now Mm -hmm. and she said that she's 11. So this has been happening for quite some time, maybe not to the same extent that it was in the beginning, but six years of hauntings is quite a bit. Mm -hmm. I know. And wait, was it her son or her daughter where she was in the room and then they heard the like under the bed and both ran out? Son. The shh. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's like, that's scarring. You know, your parent is there to protect you and they're the ones booking it out of your room. I mean, she I would never Aaron forget. was sleeping on the floor. So I imagine Ooh, she's yeah, like inches right away from whatever's underneath the oh, bed. It's so creepy, so creepy. Terrifying. Aaron, oh. we'll follow up and get an update. Okay, I have a story for us. This is sent in from Jocelyn. Okay. Hey, girlies, just want to say I absolutely love you guys and your show, but let's jump right in. Hey. My great aunt Jo lives in Chicago, and not only is she a medium, something she passed down to me, but she also has had some really scary experiences. As some background, the serial killer John Wayne Gacy, dressed up as a clown, had a horrible streak of killing young men and boys in the 70s Chicago. My Aunt Jo not only lived a few houses down from John Wayne Gacy, but her close friend was one of the victims found in his crawl space. Oh my gosh. She always said that she felt his presence in her home. His name was Gregory, and he was a very positive presence but whenever he was around, the room filled with profound sadness. Oh. I've personally seen him a few times, but one of the most horrific experiences of my life happened with a much worse spirit. I was around seven or eight, and I was visiting my Aunt Jo and sleeping in her creepy-ass basement. <laughs> I started hearing some footsteps and objects moving some somewhere in there, which wasn't a strange occurrence as her house was 
filled with paranormal activity. Yeah, especially However, if she's a medium. It's just like mm-hmm. ghosties. Right? She's the beacon. Everything's coming to her. Well, and it sounds like Jocelyn got a little bit of that too. So maybe yeah. the two of them thought the house was super haunted yeah. and everyone else thought it was fine. <laughs> yeah. However, I started feeling this intense dread, like a sweaty palms, heart beating faster than a hummingbird type dread. And then I heard a man whisper, I want to show you something in a soft but harsh, deep voice. This was the first time I'd come in contact with what I believe was John Wayne Gacy's spirit. The second and last time was when I was sleeping in her basement again a few years later. And I was sound asleep, and when I woke, I had woken suddenly from a feeling of someone pulling on my foot. Oh. I looked around, thinking it was my brother being a dick, but instead, I saw the silhouette of a large, heavy-set man with what appeared to be a party-slash-clown-type hat on. Um. I've never been more scared in my life, and to this day, I refuse to sleep in her basement. Love y'all, Jocelyn. Oh my god, I hate that. Right? It is really disturbing, because, like... (sighs) I feel like so many times we talk about when these horrific things happen. And, and you know, like, uh, we're not a true crime podcast. Right. We're a paranormal podcast. But but the lines between those blur significantly because right. oftentimes we cover places where atrocious things have happened. Those don't exist think, without death. So ex- there is exactly. a tie. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And I think when we talk about these horrible deaths and these murders and in some of the haunting haunted cases that we cover, they are – at the prison. They are at the specific house that they happened at. They are, you know, like there's, it's disturbing to me the fact that an entire neighborhood could be stained with the presence of this crime Mm -hmm. and with the potential spirit, whether it's residual or an active haunting. But just the fact that like, not only did he take the lives of all of these people in brutal ways, but now his spirit can be found eight doors down. Yeah, I hate that. And that he's still, like, tormenting people in yeah. the afterlife. It's like, go and away. Too like, her poor Aunt Jo as well, I'm sure it was really difficult having known one of the victims from uh, – that This friend of yours passed away a few houses down due to the serial killer. And then how exciting would it be to feel like you finally get to make contact with your friend – whose presence is in your home. And then how terrifying would it be to then realize that the person who took their lives so unjustly also has access to To your your home. home. I also just feel really sad that her friend, his spirit is just so sad. Like the Gregory comes with profound sadness. I Yeah. It's, you know, I I'm, I don't I, – I completely understand why, but it makes me sad that he isn't capable of finding, like, a peace or happiness and joy and move on, you know? Yeah. It does make me wonder, too, because I feel like our beliefs with the paranormal have evolved so much over the past few years through doing this podcast. And I'm curious, too, where someone in Gregory's scenario, situation, where I think five years ago I would have been like, oh, this is definitely someone who's trapped here. Like, I hope their soul can move on. What what if what if there is some sort of like in between? You know, like when we talk about guardians and loved ones who've passed on, and then sometimes they can come back and visit for various reasons. I'm curious if Gregory comes with all of these feelings as sort of like a warning. Like what if what if his presence isn't meant to be sad for him or scary, but rather it's needed as a signal, a warning mm. for something in the area. Interesting. He's putting up his Batman yeah. logo in the sky and he's saying, beware. 
troubles afoot. Yeah, I mean, there's so many theories that we could make about the paranormal and what what spirits are trying to communicate, mm-hmm. or if it's just residual. You, you know, it's hard to know. But it is. I would love to learn more about Great Aunt Joe and have a slumber mm-hmm. party with Great Aunt Joe and Jocelyn. Like two of them, I feel like definitely not in the basement though. Not in the basement. <laughs> Maybe we invite them somewhere and and we yeah have- we are not going to Aunt Joe's house. <laughs> no, that's for sure. Exactly. Okay. I have a story from our listener, Tasha, and it's called My Grandfather's Crazy Astral Projection Story. Hey, what's up, Mm. ghouls? So excited to see you guys this January in LA. This is 2018. Oh my gosh. Tasha said, I'll be coming from Oregon, so it'll be a trip worth driving. Tasha drove from Oregon. Wow. I just finished your episode on near-death experiences and thought my grandfather has had many of those. I've never asked him about it, which will definitely be a conversation started the next time I'm there and hopefully a great story to share with you guys. When you said that what these people see during their near-death experience might be their heaven, it instantly had me think of my grandfather's story of hell. There are some missing, missing details. When I asked him about it recently, he seemed to feel uncomfortable, which honestly, once you hear the story, is quite understandable. So I'll share as much as I know. He lives with us here, but his family lives in Arkansas and Michigan. He used to tell us a lot of stories of his uncle, who I will call Steve. This story revolves around him. My papa was sleeping one night and was woken up to a man standing by his bed. The man told him, Steve wants to see you. His soul was then pushed down into the earth. It was hot and smelt of burning flesh. What? The sky that was there was red and there were skeleton remains on the ground. He knew he was in hell. The man who had brought him there looked ahead and pointed, you'll find Steve in that building. You need to hurry. When he reached the building, he did indeed find his uncle. His uncle looked at him and said, you can't be here. You need to be happy there and do good. This is a bad place and I never want to find you here again. Now go. They're on their way. Run. He talked in a rush, trying to get the words out before whoever they were came. So my grandfather ran. He told me that little demons began chasing him, describing them as having sharp teeth, long claws, and wings. He jerked awake in panic, his heart pounding and sweat dripping from his forehead. That morning, he got a phone call from a relative from East calling to let him know that his uncle Steve had passed away that night. Oh no. Oh no. The dream was real. My grandpa has many great stories, but this one really had me on the edge of my seat. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Can't wait to hear what you think. See you on the other side, Tasha. And then Tasha sent a, an update with just a few details from her grandfather. First off, he explained that the man standing at the end of his bed was wearing all white, implying that it was an angel sent from heaven. He did not say his mm-hmm. name. My grandfather had also explained that what was chasing him was described to be hellhounds, not really demons. And the building that he was running to turned out to be a bar and his uncle was the bartender. The place... <laughs> Smelled like death because everyone's flesh was going through an endless process of burning and reforming. He said he smelt this smell for days after the experience. Lastly, his uncle said that someone was chasing him and that someone was Satan. Oh, my God. Poor poor Uncle Steve who had passed away in the night and is now being chased and sent to this horrific place that smells of burning flesh. I know. And how scarring, too, to to learn that your relative had passed away having that dream before and then being so concerned for their soul yeah. and realizing, like, you saw a bit of what they were experiencing, too. Yes. You didn't get some some nice farewell where someone pulls up in a convertible and is like, see you later, bud. Like, you're trying to help 
save them from the devil. That is horrifying. It's horrifying. And the fact that the Uncle Steve was – his message was, you need to be happy there and do good. I never want to see you in this bad place again. So it's like a message of don't end up here. Yeah. Which makes me curious to – I mean, what if – obviously a very scarring experience, yeah. I think, to probably have that dream. Yes. But what if the dream wasn't actually a real representation of what was occurring to Uncle Steve – but rather it was Uncle Steve's really extreme version of showing that you need to just like live life gleefully and happily. Yeah. And Uncle Steve did it in the way that he thought was effective, which was through his own religious beliefs of hell, which happened to just be really horrifying to witness. But was was a way to be like, no, take this seriously. You need to you need to be happy. You need to live life well and enjoy it. I yes, that's a better interpretation. But I fear, especially because Steve said that Satan was chasing him, and that the the fact like it just feels like too much power and ability right. to control a, an entire dreamscape to that extent. Yeah, in the same night true. that he passed away, I, I don't know. And it I'm just, just sad for them. I know. I wonder if it's stressful. Tasha has talked to her grandfather about this and it maybe if Uncle Steve has made himself known to her grandfather in a different mm-hmm. way after that experience. Like maybe that there's yeah. some some peace that Steve was able to find. Right. And also not to be nosy, but like was there something that made you, anyone believe that, that this could truly happen? Like now I'm starting to worry for myself. <laughs> what if what if I get chased by the devil? Well then you I don't know. attack. Then we just – you have to pull a little Nos X. You just have to create a pole and start <laughs> doing a little lap dance to do Satan, baby. Yeah. got to pull out all the stops. Do what you need to do. Do what you need to do. Okay. I have a little bit of a longer one, but okay. it's so worth it. This is from our listener, Caitlin. This is going to be sporadic, to say the least. It's been many, many traumas later. So honestly, my timing of events is hazy, to say the least. I swear I forgot so much of my childhood from my traumas that the only memories I do have are the ones of my haunted house. So let's begin. My family moved to Grand Haven, Michigan back in 1996, and all was normal, I think, until about the time that I was in elementary school. We lived in an older house and things started to get strange quickly. We could hear people walking around the upstairs and closing doors while all of us were in the living room. Doors and cabinets would open on their own. And when I mean doors, I mean all of the doors. What? Even these insanely difficult closet doors down in the basement. They were like these folding doors, like the accordion doors, only they didn't have any knobs to pull them open. So you'd have to stick your fingers under the door and sort of pull them out. So it made it more difficult because of the height of the carpet. So you could barely stick your tiny little kid fingers under there to unleash the demons from within. There were more than a few occasions where we would go down into the basement to play only to find these doors wide open. Mm -mm. Or have our parents yell at us for always leaving them open when we all knew to avoid that area like the plague. Oh. I have no memory of it. But my siblings and my dad have told me that I would sleepwalk and literally yell, I'm going to get you, you little fuckers. Oh my gosh. While chasing my siblings around. I had never How terrifying. So terrifying. Oh my God. I'm very curious what age Caitlin was at this point. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I had never before had the habit of sleepwalking. The even weirder thing, if it can be weirder, is that I would always end up down by those closet doors. Fucking spooky. 
I would remember going to bed, but then suddenly I'm being shaken out of the trance down by those doors, out of breath and bewildered with my dad praying in front of me. This became extremely alarming when my dad mentioned to the neighbor across the street all of the weird happenings in the house. Ken, the neighbor, told my father that the previous owner would yell at their kids quite often. Mm. Apparently, the woman had a pretty bad temper and after a failed business venture, ended up taking her own life. We never found out if she took her life in the house or not. So was I being possessed by the former owner? No one really knows. Well, that's what interesting. was even weirder. Especially the language that Caitlin was yes. using. Huh? Yes, true. What was even weirder, the previous owners had four children, the initials being C, C, N, C, the same freaking initials as my siblings. That is weird. Christopher, Caitlin, Nicholas, Courtney. So the weird-ass sleepwalking continued, doors being opened, things moved, feelings of being touched, footsteps being heard for quite a while. And there was one night, though, that I remember so vividly that I will never forget. Oh, no. I was on the bottom bunk of the bed, sitting crisscross applesauce, playing this wooden cube game. My dad came up and told us that it was time to go to bed. I, of course, protested while he <laughs> ignored me and turned off all the lights. I then threw the game on the ground, and I shit you not... Something threw the game pieces back into my lap. Back? (laughs) I was obviously, absolutely horrified. And I screamed and I cried. And my dad thought that I was being dramatic because I didn't (laughs) want to go to sleep. So he didn't come to see what was wrong right away. So here I am, hysterical, obviously way too fucking afraid to get out of my bed and turn the light on in case the demon under the bed was going to grab my ass and pull (laughs) me to hell right there and there. He finally came back in to check on me, and he, of course, told me that I was just imagining things. Nope. But I know there was no explanation for it. The bedroom was carpeted. This game had probably eight pieces to it. So even if I threw them on the carpet hard enough, there was no way that all eight pieces could have bounced back up and landed in my lap. There was also another time when my little sister and I shared a room, and she went down into my parents' room to sleep in bed with them. She woke my dad up while getting into bed with them, and apparently my mother started sort of talking in tongues. Mm-hmm. And my dad is like, uh, what the fuck is this? And my sister looks at him super casual and says, Caitlin's been doing that all night, keeping me awake. <laughs> my oh. dad said, my mom did this for quite a few minutes before she stopped. Neither her nor I have any memory of doing this. So, so, so to this creepy. Day, so creepy. I love how all, like, the, the dad and the other siblings are just like, yeah, what do you know? Mom and Caitlin just always doing the Speaking weird stuff. a weird language in their sleep. <laughs> just typical. To this day, I don't understand how any of us actually lived through this. It's so insane. At this point, my dad, who is a very logical man, is rattled. Mm -hmm. He ended up talking to the priest at the parish that we attended, and the priest took it seriously enough that during their meeting, he insisted on coming over to the house and performing a blessing. Things cooled down after that. There was, of course, the feeling of someone watching you, and at times you would hear weird things, but luckily, I wasn't possessed sleepwalking anymore, threatening to kill anyone. There was a time, however, shortly after the blessing, that all of us kids slept in the same upstairs bedroom together because we were obviously scared shitless of the house. So myself and my older brother are sleeping on the floor and my younger twin brother and sister are sleeping in their beds. It had been about 30 minutes since we shut the lights off and my sister was the first to fall asleep. Randomly, she makes this god-awful moaning sound, sits straight up like her back was so straight and turns her head towards all of us and says, mom's going to kill us all, (gasps) looks forward again and lays right back down. I may or may not have shit myself, 
But I did, however, run faster than I ever had before. Another thing, my little sister was playing her clarinet out on the front steps, and she admittedly was not very good at all. (laughs) And our next door neighbor, we only knew as Blue House Man. He started yelling at her to stop and was being such a dick about it. She was maybe in the first grade. As an adult now, too, I probably would have been super annoyed if a child was blasting their instrument that they couldn't play. But to yell at them seems a bit extreme. My dad was obviously pissed because she was little and she was just trying to learn something new. Anyway, he's about to go over there and yell at him when my sister stops my dad and tells him he's just upset because his son died. My dad asks her how she knew this. She doesn't answer. She just continues to play. Little did any of us know, Blue House Man's son had been in a motorcycle accident the night before and was in the hospital and had died that night. Like, how do you explain that? Oh, my gosh. Oh, I'm getting a little choked up. Oh, my gosh. Jumping forward, my mom used to feel someone touch the back of her neck while down in the laundry room. My older brother eventually moved into the basement and he and his friend swore that they would see this tall man in a trench coat with a top hat standing at the other end of the basement. This happened numerous times and they were freaked the fuck out. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> yeah, of course, right? Of course, we all thought maybe he was bullshitting just to scare us, but my mom and dad both saw this man. My parents later divorced, and it was just me living with my dad and his new girlfriend in this same house, and we never told her anything about the hauntings. One day, she flies up from the laundry room and explains to us that she saw a man in a trench coat and a top hat watching her. Nope. It was the exact description that my brother and his friend had said all those years ago. My sister and I both saw a little girl on the steps leading upstairs just standing there staring at us until she disappeared. There's so many spirits here. So many. And so many that they experience all together too, right? Like it doesn't seem, I mean, I'm sure it was frequent that people experience stuff by themselves, but like the amount of group hauntings here. Yes. My last experience in the home came when I was 17. My dad was on a road trip with my brother bringing him up to Michigan Tech. So it was just me and my dad's girlfriend, Amy. My bedroom closet had this weird little door to a crawl space, and I always got weird vibes from it. So religiously, at night, I would close my closet door and make sure that I heard the sounds of it latching in place. So I'm in bed. I just turned off the lights, and I'm facing the wall that my bed is pushed up against. I hear a doorknob turn, and the door starts to slowly open. I sit up thinking it's Amy coming in to say goodnight or to ask me something. And so I look at my bedroom door, and it isn't moving. I then look at the closet. And it's ever so slowly opening. No. I am in total disbelief. I had just laid down, so it wasn't like I was dreaming this. And it was late in the year, so there were no windows open to cause some sort of draft. The door then slams shut and then opens again slowly before slamming shut one more time. I ran as fast as I could downstairs and I told Amy about it. She ended up calling the police, convinced that someone was in the house. So the cops came and they did a walkthrough with their guns out, fully expecting to find an intruder in the home after Amy had explained the situation, but they found no one. Oh my gosh. So yeah, this is just some of the weird happenings from my childhood. Oh, and I forgot to mention that I moved out of that house when I was 18. I'm now 29, and every single dream that I can remember takes place in that home. Every 
single one. What? And it's either still my home or everything is the same and there are new owners, but somehow I'm still allowed in the house, but I'm mostly outside in the yard in those dreams. Or it's my home in the complete disrepair, like crumbling to the ground, hasn't been touched or lived in for decades. My dad used to take my siblings and I to cemeteries to investigate them. And I have so many more stories about what we saw and heard if you want to hear them. Or at the time that I stayed at a haunted inn in Indiana. See you on the other side, Caitlin. Caitlin, you didn't need to stay at a haunted inn. You, you live, lived in a haunted house for years. <laughs> I I think Caitlin and any person who has ever lived in this house haunts the house in their dreams. Oh, oh, interesting. It's like you haunt yourself or future well, or, or future residents. Because she doesn't live there now. Every dream that she has that she remembers is of that house. I wonder mm-hmm. if she's walking through somewhere. Maybe whoever lives there now experiences it as a haunting. Oh, my God. Oh, that's so – I feel like this makes sense. Yeah. But I, Especially because me too. the only dreams <laughs> – it's the, <laughs> the only dreams only that Caitlin can remember, too. I'm curious now. Caitlin has three other siblings mm-hmm. and mom and dad who also experienced all of those hauntings. What are their dreams like? What do they remember from the house? Uh, yeah. Especially because Caitlin said that there's like sometimes different owners, but she's still allowed in the home. Right. Which timeline-wise, I'm like, you could look in and see the the sale record and see how many times other people have owned the home. Yeah. Which makes me curious. Like, is this a... Is this a chronological order in terms of our timeline or when you're sleeping? Are you just jumping around? Like, Past, are you present, future, seeing the yeah. house in 1910 and haunting that family who lived there? Yeah, I would love to hear more about Caitlin's dreams that she remembers in the house and like what she does. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if there's any way to like verify hauntings with the current owners, but I'm curious. I know. Well, and also the fact that her mom and her sister were getting soft possessed, you know? Like these, yes. and, and her, like temporary sleepwalking possession situation. It's so creepy. Also, oh, the toys like house. falling and then coming back into her lap or like throwing them down and then them all. It's almost like a rewind. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. But also makes me think maybe there's a kid who's like, no, 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 like it, keep playing. Oh, or just like another sibling that thinks that they're a part of the, the group and is annoyed. Because to me, that feels like an annoyed thing where it's like, your sibling throws something and it hits you and you grab it and you whip it back mm. at them, you know? Mm-hmm. It's so weird. There's so much happening. so weird. Caitlin, yeah, Caitlin. You guys are haunted. Caitlin, send us the, the Azula listing or the address of this house, please. 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 We'd like to see it. Wow. We had a little bit of everything in this episode. Mm-hmm. Lovely. Ghosts are real. Ghosts are real. We should just make merch. And Bigfoot. Ghosts are real. Is my boyfriend. Yes. We believe. Ghosts are real. We believe. And I hate mornings. Lovely. Lovely. We're just... <laughs> We're here. We're representing the things that we love and that we know to be true. And we know to be true that you will send us your haunting tales, your encounters with anything macabre, paranormal, cryptids alike. And we will believe you because ghosts are real. Ghosts are real. And we're excited to read your email. (laughs) So please email us. Please do. Our email is twogirlsonegostpodcast at gmail.com. Not to be confused with our website, which is twogirlsoneghost.com. Yeah. You can support us in a various manner of ways. You can join us on Patreon. You can get lost in the triangle and join our pyramid scheme. Tell all your friends about the podcast. You can watch us on YouTube. Mm-hmm. You can rate and review on iTunes. You can just subscribe everywhere and follow us on social media and um, everything everywhere all at once. But ah, 2GOG. But 2GOG version. style. 
Yeah. Thank you to our editors at Upfire Digital, Aiden Manning, Eric Foster, Max Lodian for editing our podcast and uh, helping us come to life. And we do hope that we get to see you all soon. Maybe 2023 will be our year. Mm -hmm. But if not, we will see see you on the other other side. side.